Hello, just a quick uh, heads up. As with last week's podcast, this one contains spoilers for Captain America Civil War from the very start. So if you haven't seen the film yet, please go ahead, see the film, but then do come back, listen to this podcast. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Bye. You're listening to Arc Reactor. Concentrated reviews and analysis of all things MCU. I had the chance to see Civil War for a second time last weekend, and what a joy it was. I think I probably enjoyed it a good 20 or 30% more than I did on my initial viewing, even. It's such a dense film with so much to take in and keep track of that that, coupled with the jitter-inducing cocktail of hopes and fears after months of hype, rumour and rampant speculation, meant that whilst my first viewing was a thrilling experience, it wasn't a particularly relaxed one. But on Sunday, I eased myself into a mostly empty theatre with only a bottle of Coke and my own brain for company and just let the whole thing wash over me. The experience gave me a newfound appreciation of just how artfully constructed the narrative was, how flawless the visuals were, how even the smallest of supporting roles were performed with gusto and aplomb. After that thrilling opening action sequence, the whole film grinds down to a slow, sombre pace. It gets talky and broody and tense, as though the film itself is in a state of shock, confusion and sorrow after the horrifying way in which the Lagos incident concludes. And it's in that Lagos scene that we see the first of many ghosts that haunt the main players of this film and drive its story. Crossbones a former Hydra agent working undercover at S.H.I.E.L.D., who we last saw burned, broken and laid out on a stretcher at the end of the Winter Soldier, is back again and causing havoc. For most of the scene, the Avengers are clueless as to his identity, until he faces off with Steve and growls, this is for dropping a building on me. He pulls back his mask to reveal his disfigured face. All of a sudden, Steve is staring at the consequences of his actions. Of course, Crossbones was hardly a good egg last time around, but through his actions in The Winter Soldier, Steve Rogers has given him a new motivation. Vengeance. The very next scene sets up more ghosts who will loom large over this film, even though you might not realise it on first viewing. I know I certainly didn't. As we witness a young Tony Stark, rendered with stunning accuracy and hats off to everyone involved in bringing that effect to life, attempting to resolve decades of guilt and loss by digitally hijacking his last moments with his parents, whose deaths will prove to be pivotal to the film's final gut-wrenching act. And the ghosts don't stop there, either. Bucky is haunted by a ghost with his own face, the Winter Soldier, whose actions he can't control but can never forget, That is, until he suddenly picks up a newspaper after an innocent bit of plum shopping in Bucharest and sees photographic evidence that he was somehow responsible for the bombing of a UN meeting. Even when he's free from Hydra, he can't seem to shake the spectre of his past. Speaking of the bombing, it serves as our introduction to Black Panther, 
In that moment, T'Challa not only loses a father, but also gains a crown. One is inextricably linked with the other, and to paraphrase a line from later in the film, as both warrior and king, he feels he has no choice but to seek revenge. So he too, like Tony, is haunted by the loss of a parent. For much of the film, he believes his target is Bucky, but of course he eventually learns that Zemo is the man responsible for his father's death. As with our heroes, it is ghosts that drive Zemo's actions too. We don't see their faces, but we hear his wife's disembodied voice in an answer phone message, his last memory of her preserved in amber, in all its mundane glory. The first time we watch him listen to it, it has a darkly comic flavour. Zemo is just some ordinary family man playing Machiavellian games with superheroes to who knows what ends. It is only at the end of the film, when we learn of his history and his loss, that the true significance of that message is made plain. On the surface, the catalyst for the Sokovia Accords is the rather impersonal notion of collateral damage, but let's not forget that what makes Tony sign them is not the numbers, the death tolls, but rather a face-to-face confrontation with a single grieving mother. She gives him a face, a name, and he can't ignore it. He does the research, finds a bright, determined young man looking to put back more into society than he takes from it. And that knowledge is the final straw, piled as it is on top of the enormous guilt Tony rightly harbours for his colossal miscalculation in Age of Ultron. Death can only be ignored, when it doesn't have a face. Death has many faces, many voices, many names in this film, but all these ghosts ask the same question of the ones they haunt. Now that I am dead, how will you make amends? The debate about collateral damage is an important and very well-balanced one, which boils down to whether it's best to put your trust in institutions or individuals. The answer to which in most cases is obviously, it depends on the institutions and individuals in question. Thus, only an extremely bloody-minded individual would come away from civil war without at least conceding that both sides make very valid points. But ultimately, civil war isn't really about that. The real conflict is internal, but it has the power to manifest externally and at great human cost where the individuals involved have superhuman abilities. And on this point, whether it is better to seek revenge or move on, the message of the film is abundantly clear. T'Challa spends most of the film pursuing his father's killer, and when he is finally face to face with the right man, not only does he choose not to take his life, but he prevents Zemo from taking his own. He sees the bitter, twisted, dejected man before him, sees the amount of collateral damage that he has caused, and realises that if he continues down this path of vengeance, that is exactly what will become of him as well. Meanwhile, Tony Stark allows his longing for revenge to take hold of him, and despite knowing full well that Bucky was not truly responsible for his actions on that fateful night in 1991, in that moment he believes taking Bucky's life will give him the closure his multi-million dollar therapy experiment couldn't. And so we are left with a house divided. 
Friends crippled, relationships damaged, half the Avengers forced into hiding, and the vibranium shield made by Howard Stark all those years ago, scarred by conflict and abandoned in a Siberian warehouse. We know this won't be the end of the Avengers, but it's genuinely hard to see how they will bounce back from this dark chapter. Most likely, their unity will come in the form of a common enemy. Perhaps a certain big purple alien with a taste for gaudy jewellery will suffice. I'm David Edwards, and this has been episode 7 of Arc Reactor. Thanks ever so much for listening. See you again soon!